Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Oz Network for our 202 for Halloween this month. As uh, we get into... Is it? No, it's not sequel month. It's just Halloween month. It's Halloween month, but it's also the long-anticipated end to our good horror sequel month from what, May or June? Ah, uh, yes, and uh, you know, it's, this movie has been in our chats for years at this point, <laughs> so I forgot that we even agreed to talk about this. But yeah, we're here for A Quiet Place Part 2, continuation of our horror movies that we've been watching, continuation of our sequels from months ago. Um, it's been so long. What did we talk about last time? Uh, good question. Ready or not? Oh, ready or not. It was only a week ago. You think we'd remember? <laughs> yeah, but we're here to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2 And that's it um, My name is Rossi And and my name is Colin And somewhere Beyond the sea Somewhere Waiting for me This is going on for four more months Just so you know My lover stands on golden sands And watches the ships Stop me whenever you're <laughs> Rossi <laughs> I'm loving it Go ahead Echo sailing. Casper's going to come down seriously again watching Finding Nemo now. I still don't see the problem. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we made it. We finally reached <laughs> what it feels like a forever journey. We've been talking about this movie since we got announced that it was part two instead of A Quieter Place. <laughs> or you know other names a louder place yeah um i can't but we finally got to watching it and we're finally getting to talk about it it's, it feels like ages uh you know one thing we talked about last time was that you and i both watched it in the theater um and we talked about all the popcorn and the, the bags and the chips and the, the yeah <laughs> Do we have the same experience this time? No. Um, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of thankful that I did get to see this at home first. Uh, because, as I said, it's quite distracting, you know, <laughs> uh, being in a theater and hearing lots of people chewing and moving and all that. Uh, and even though I think this was the first, uh, not the first major movie, because I think um, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, maybe a month or so before this came out, had sort of finally become the first movie that made some decent money when theaters opened. But this was like starting with a quiet place, movie theater started to open. Uh, and movie theaters didn't open here 
in Winnipeg, I think, for another six to eight weeks after that. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I, this it was like the day that this was added to Amazon Prime was like a week before theaters opened here. So I saw it at home. We set up our projector at home, so it was kind of like seeing it in a movie theater. And the only loud person I had to listen to was Jamie. Um, and she's not nearly as distracting as I thought she would have been. But what about you? I mean, you you got to see this at home because you, you saw it, what, two or three days ago? Yeah, no, I watched it like Wednesday or whatever. Um, just that does not help the people listening, but you know what? <laughs> no, it does because that's totally unlike Rossi. He's usually catching up on these movies as we record. Yeah, usually I'm finishing the credit sequence at the end of the, the podcast. Um, or not at all. <laughs> <laughs> In some cases. Hello, Battlefield <laughs> But yeah, no, it was definitely a different experience. I think I'm glad I watched the first one in the theaters, though. Because I felt like that one, like, there's a little bit of the, like, novelty of it. Mm-hmm. Of like the oh the character's deaf and you can't be talking and, and all this quiet stuff that like there's not as much of that in this movie so like I don't feel like I was cheated by not sitting in that like huge theater you know where I'm like tense because it's quiet like you know mm-hmm. I feel like the first movie was definitely like I'm glad I did that but in this one I was not bothered by not seeing it you know and if yeah. you still get the same experience it's just smaller situation you don't have that grand you know theater feeling but I feel and, like I didn't miss much, you know. Yeah, and maybe if I did have the chance to see this in the theater, I would have felt different. You know, I, I've kind of spent a couple of years mocking the, the the chewing experience in a movie theater, <laughs> but uh, uh, there is something like as you were mentioning it that that was kind of unsettling about sitting in a dark theater watching this. And you know, as you're hearing, maybe in a way it's sort of amplified by the fact that you know any type of sound, these people are dead, and you're hearing sounds from all around you, and it's just drawing your attention more to how quiet the characters need to be. But uh, maybe because there is no novelty this time, it's not the same. But I, I almost wanted to. Once theaters did reopen here, I debated going uh, to see this a, a second time. But uh, I mean, overall, you know, I, I, I feel like this is kind of... Here's where my surprise of this movie is, and you know, we'll kind of cover it as we go throughout, but uh, I, I don't know what I was expecting out of this. I think I was expecting this more to be less of the first movie done over again. And I'm not even mad about the fact that it is the same movie done over again, just you know, a little twist here and there. Uh, I, I was sort of expecting, okay, well, the, when the first movie ends, the next movie, they're going to find a colony of a bunch of people, and it's going to be something completely different. Uh, but this being just, we're going to pick up literally the next second like not even five seconds later we are picking up the next second after the first movie ends and it's just this simple story that's exactly what they advertise a quiet place part two it's more of the same uh, i actually think it kind of worked for this movie i don't know what your thoughts were i will say i did love like second like obviously we get the flashback at the very beginning of the movie of day one which i i was complaining about that in the original i was like where's the backstory we don't have any mm-hmm. knowledge but um I love like picking up the second one. Like I think they like they transition with the brother like covering his ears, yeah, on day one to like whatever the end of the last movie. Like, and mm-hmm. I just love that that they just picked it up right from that last second. Like I thought that that worked so well. And that was like probably like I mean they had some very cool the ways that they did things, but um, I'm still a little unsure if I like it. Um, as much as the original, I'm not sure how I feel entirely about it. Um, just because, like you said, it was the same story. Like, it, it's a classic sequel. 
like obviously there were more stakes there were more um you know twists and turns it's it's like the oceans like uh, was it 12 yeah like it's the same idea but they upped the, the like the drama they upped the the stakes you know like they heightened it but it is the same story essentially mm-hmm. family needs to survive and world ending situation now there's more people you know we had like what a cast of six last time including the people that k- got killed this time it was like a lot of people that were yeah. featured in the story so we'll we'll see how i feel as we like get through it but this podcast will determine how rossi feels well, because I looked after I finished it, I immediately looked up. I was like, what are the, the Rotten Tomatoes situation of this? Mm. Um, and it's. I think it was like, you know, the first one was more favored by critics and less by audience. And then this flipped where the audiences liked it more mm-hmm. and the critics liked it less, um, which I, I was just curious to see that, uh, which but I can see, I can see why I think people would like it more. But we'll go into it as we see fit. Um, so yeah, like I said, the movie starts pretty much in this like backstory, where I, which I was so happy to see that we finally got something, because um, so much of the first movie is the, the mystery of it. Like we see clips, like little not clips, but like Easter eggs, and like you know if you pause newspapers, yeah, like if you pause the screen here, maybe you could read that article on the desk, or or you know what's happening in this situation. But like this time, it was like this is what happened on the first day, and. You know, it, it's exciting to see the the vis- them visiting the locations we've seen in the original. Like, you know, they saw the pharmacy and the convenience store and the and the main street that they were down. Like all these places that we are familiar with, mm-hmm. having been ravaged. Um, it's just cool to see that and see kind of the characters. I did note that they did not decide to show the little child that gets killed. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you never see his face, obviously. No, you never yeah. see that little... I mean, obviously, it was a little younger. It was, like, a few hun- like a year younger, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting that they chose not to show the young brother. Uh, which I guess I can't fault them if they're killing a little kid, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so this this whole backstory, they're at the baseball game, and, I mean, the major... any The most important thing that comes about is that there's this like, news story that there's this explosion somewhere... It was an explosion, right? That they were watching on the TV. Mm-hmm. And like, they're like, oh, it's nothing. I'll just buy my food and get on with the day. And then they go to the baseball game. And then we meet, obviously, like, you knew this was coming. The character that they talked to who got the most screen time. Yeah. Uh, who learns one thing in sign language is, is like, going to come up <laughs> later. But we we get to meet this guy. I don't even know. If, we never hear anyone's name. It's just vague. It's Emmett? Okay. Because yeah. my notes like, are, like, the characters' names to me are Mother, <laughs> which I'm debating calling just Emily Blunt. Um, I know. I, I I still don't know what her character's name is. So, yeah, she's just Emily. <laughs> Emily, sister, brother, baby, and that's it. Um, they said John Krasinski's character's name, and I was like, who's that? Oh, oh, the father. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't call him John, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, Jim. That's Jim from the <laughs> office. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, anyway, and then they see this asteroid fall out of the sky and, and, and everyone starts panicking. It's like, all right, baseball's over. No more games. Um, <laughs> baseball's been canceled. The end of the world is here. <laughs> yeah, it came out of nowhere, too. Like, it's obviously we're not sure 
all the details of this news story, but like they seem like totally separate events, or maybe they're just like, are they like signaling that this is happening other places? Is that? I that think work? that's what it is. Yeah, because they're watching on the news and and they're like, oh, we don't know what it is. It might be a bomb or a rocket or something like that. And then you see the thing in the sky. So yeah, I think it's supposed to be. This is like it's like Independence Day. First you see a ship in you know New York, and then you see one in Los Angeles. Yeah, so like I guess we're getting this simultaneous like either we're still unsure entirely, but like could be a crash landing, like it it could be like this creature that wasn't planning to land here, but they they have fell out of the sky or whatever, or they're like invading, like kind of like Independence Day or something like that. So we're still unsure on that, but these creatures are coming in, and obviously we know what to expect at this point with with what's going on. But you saw all these people screaming and all these people getting thrown around, you know. Um, I literally can't think of it. John Krasinski and, and the sister are, you know, they're together and then they have to like hide in this little tavern or whatever. And the woman's talking on the phone um, and they're all hiding. And I don't know if it made sense to you, but maybe I'm just like totally crazy. But does it make sense to you that they all are just like super quiet? Like no one's saying anything, no one's doing anything. I Is thought that a normal response? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously the audience would expect that. Um, but like day one, I, no one's like, I just, well, I mean, I just thought my thought is, is if, if we saw this in real life, if we saw monsters just come out of nowhere and they're attacking everybody in the street and everybody's panicking, you would probably be hiding. It would be like, you know, if, uh, if, if there was, if there was an invasion of even regular people, if all of a sudden, I don't know, let's, let's pick a, what country do we want to pick on today? Um, if, uh, um, Canada, <laughs> if Canada decided to invade Canada, the United States, <laughs> And all of a sudden you saw these angry Canadian soldiers just everywhere shooting everybody. The Mounties come. come. The Mounties, yeah. <laughs> they hop off the horseback because that's what they still do in 2021. <laughs> they, they tip their red hat and they start shooting people and eating people and <laughs> gnawing you uh, right in the middle of the street. You'd, you'd probably go hide somewhere. You'd, you'd want to keep quiet. Just like, oh, you don't. It's not necessarily they know what the noises are. But my thought is they know that something out there is killing people just at random so you probably want to want to to keep your presence on on the down low okay i just didn't know if i was like am i crazy i'm like like why aren't there weapons like why aren't people grabbing bottle you know i'm just like yeah like how it's, much I of this is shocking because yeah shock and terror yeah i guess like if we replace it with like you know freddie or jason like you're not going to be like making a lot of noise yeah. trying to hide from that so or okay. ben waterworth I'm, well <laughs> maybe make a lot of noise to avoid him <laughs> all the police um but yeah so people are hiding and the monster starts to invade the bar and people are running away um uh we're and throughout this we're still getting some of those classic shots of you know like the sister she's like unfazed about what's going on around her because she can't hear it um and like sort of getting you know her perspective of the whole thing and then it sort of like uh, collides when the, the police officer in the street starts to like fire off a shotgun. But it, obviously we know that that's not going to do any good. Um, and then after that, it pretty much cuts to the current modern day. Of, of, not modern day, but, you know, the, the end of the first movie. Yeah. And I just thought that was so great how they like handled, you know, we got a backstory and we immediately pick up. It's not like you know, five years later or something like that. I, I like, I like that they picked off right away. 
because I think that it's an interesting thing. Like, how do you, how do you, you know how to defeat the creatures, but you, all your stuff's gone. Like, how do you pick up the pieces from that? And I think that um, putting this flashback sequence in here, I mean, the, the immediate thought would be, you're doing this because fans want to see John Krasinski. You killed off the most popular actor slash character or whatever, the guy who made the first movie, you killed him off. So what are you going to do now when you're one you know, star short for this movie. So let's do a flashback scene. But considering like you, you were saying, we didn't have that in the first movie. It makes logical sense that if this series, if this series is going to go on till a quiet place, part nine and a quiet place, part 10 uh, and a quiet place goes to space or whatever else their plans are for the future. It, it's kind of a fun idea that every movie would just, this would be the staple of a quiet place movie. The first one, you get no backstory. And then in all the sequels, they'll show you one little bit of backstory. And we can get John Krasinski back for another five, ten minutes. It's a cool idea that I think probably has more to do with just revealing the backstory than it does anything else. And giving you that opportunity to, um, you know, learn how to sign dive. Uh, because that is going to be important. I think we all picked up on that. Uh, but but even just the way this is handled with the empty street you know, you're assuming that, as we said, we were familiar with this empty street. We saw this all in the first movie. And then to go from it, the empty street to a car driving down there and the audience is panicked. Oh, what, oh, he's making noise. Engines, cars make noise. And then, no, 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 this is a flashback. You get the day one thing. Uh, and John Krasinski didn't want to do this movie. And I think we, I, I would have to go back and listen to it. I think when we did the recap of A Quiet Place Part 1 a couple of years ago, we talked about the fact that, you know, the the ideas for the sequel, at that point, they said, oh, yeah, Quiet Place 2, Part 2 is going to happen, but it's going to be something completely different. And not releasing any details, the thought was A Quiet Place Part 2, it, it, it may not even be telling the story of this family. It may not be telling the story of these aliens. It could be like a Cloverfield thing. I think that's where our thoughts were a couple of years ago when we covered the first movie is that this would have nothing to do with the first one. And obviously we saw the trailers, we see the posters, we see Emily Blunt and the kids are back, but you're still assuming it's not going to be so directly connected. So to have that opening sequence where you're getting day one, you're like, whoa, they're giving us more information about this world. And then that really clever cut where, you know, you have the, 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 the boy, the brother screaming, uh, and then you cut to him screaming or, or panicking or whatever, you know, covering his mouth. It's such a clever way to both start and end the opening sequence. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Jamie is here with snacks. Rossi, do you want a snack? What is that? Well, I mean, we're on the eve of Halloween, and she's got a thing with little package uh, chocolate chip cookies, suckers, chocolate bars. She's got our Halloween bowl out here, which uh, I'm sure we're going to finish by the end of this episode. Rossi, Jamie has come prepared with Halloween snacks here. <laughs> um, one Nanaimo bar, please. She want he wants a Nanaimo bar, Jamie. No, 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 no. She's eaten them already. <laughs> All right. Uh, the only Canadian snack I know. <laughs> uh, there's ketchup chips as well. Uh, we talk about that uh, over on other podcasts. <laughs> I, I want to say this: um, ketchup chips. Uh, if anybody's listened to, it, let's also give the first official shout out we can. Our sister podcast that. Uh, uh, myself, Ben, and Jared, who you've heard on here in past Halloween years, we covered Hocus Pocus. Uh, we we co-host Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast. We were nominated for a major award, and I mean, this isn't like one of these joke things where some fan blog 
has put together, oh, here's our favorite. This is the official Australian Podcast Awards, and we were nominated in a category, which is crazy when you look up the podcast we were nominated against. Ben was telling me one of them is like a major radio show there, their podcast version. So we're we're an esteemed company. We've been nominated for an award, so we are now major award nominees. Uh, So just wanted to announce that here. Uh, But uh, on a recent episode of Off the Podium, uh, we were talking to a Canadian who mentioned ketchup chips as their favorite snack. So um, it is definitely a thing here. And I've had spicy ketchup chips, and those are amazing. I'm not even a huge fan of ketchup chips. Those are amazing. Anyways, Snacks Oz coming soon. Back to the movie. (laughs) Where were we? Uh, You get so much stuff in this opening sequence. You get the introduction to these aliens, which I'm going to have a bit of a problem later on, but I want to cycle back to this. uh, When we get to... Let's just say when we get to the doc scene later on, remind me of my thoughts on potential plot holes for this movie. Um, but uh, we see the rocket ship. Like when we're in that store, when John Krasinski's collecting the oranges in that store and he walks past the shelf and you see that same rocket ship that that kills their youngest kid. It's sort of like, a, oh, deep, dark moment here early in the movie. Uh, I, I love the guy, the 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 store attendant who's just got his mouth gape with the duh, the guy with his mouth gaping wide open oh it must be a rocket ship or a bomb or something <laughs> it's just how dumbfounded these people are and, and when you see that thing streaking across the sky i love how quick the decision comes to everybody where of course john krasinski has to be the first to make a move he grabs the little girl and is come on we're getting out of here and then like a split second later all right the game has been called congratulations to the teams like did the, the 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 league get together in those five seconds and determine we're suspending all play? Uh, we are now on hiatus. This is like, like uh, professional sports leagues going on hiatus during COVID. Uh, but the way that the action sequence starts, uh, you know, the the benefit of having a bigger budget in this movie means we can get some sequences that are much bigger than we would have had. And also being able to do a flashback scene like this because we're not having to deal with just one family with all these aliens or in the case of the last movie, one family and one screaming old guy in the middle of the woods, you know, we could have streets filled with people. So that, that massive sequence is just incredible because it is something that we would never would have had the opportunity to have in the first movie. And when they're shooting it from like just the point of view of the front seat of the car and, and it's one shot as they're driving forwards, driving backwards and all that, uh, you know, it, it's just crazy to look at. And also I like that you mentioned um, the way that the, the daughter, her uh, hearing drops in and out with the audience sometimes. So there's sequences where we're hearing nothing at all because that's what she would be hearing. And then the way that they'll slowly incorporate a sound in there, like during this open sequence, that's fantastic. Um, let's see if I have anything else here. Yeah, the, the cop just getting <laughs> eaten, the way that he's uh, shooting the creature. You're, there's certain things they have to remind the audience of because I think that's the one dilemma of doing a sequel immediately after the first one is you're not going to be able to do all the exposition you do in the first movie. So they fit little things in here that's actually really clever that I don't think I noticed on my first viewing, like that a a gunshot's not going to do anything to these creatures. You have to have their ears and their mouths or whatever open. The sound is basically what weakens them for the, the gunshots later on. So having the cop just shooting and doing nothing and him just getting eaten, that's a little thing that's going to remind the audience who maybe hasn't seen the first movie since it originally came out. Um, and also, uh, we'll get some opinions as we go later on here, but, uh, the fact that they end that pre-title scene and then open, I guess, the proper beginning of the movie before the title with the boy, Marcus is his name. I do have his name once in the notes here with his screaming and his panic, uh, 
we'll talk about him a little bit later on because I'm curious to get your take on him in this movie because I think there's a subtle change with the character. Also, I wanted to notice your profile pick is from Total Drama Island, which I guess is the last time that we recorded Total Drama Action, the last time we recorded on Skype, which we're doing today. Do you notice the similarity with my picture of Marcus screaming? It looks like they're the same person. Sure. We know who can play Harold in a Total Drama movie. Yes, uh, this character, or what is you're, the actor. You're not seeing the resemblance here. It's uncanny. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, you know, I liked, the one thing I liked about the flashback, because you knew, you knew it had to happen. Like, whether you wanted it or not, you knew it had to happen. I'm glad that they just got it out of the way at the beginning, mm-hmm. instead of, like, cutting in the middle of, um, you know, someone's watching the water and they're like, oh, I remember when I drank water on day one or, you know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, obviously not. They're not saying that, but like, that's kind of the thought process of something. Yeah. So I'm glad that we didn't get that cliche. And this also kind of serves as like, you know, every horror movie starts with the like fake out kill, like the Drew Barrymore killing. Yeah. In the beginning of the movie. Obviously, we can't have that here because like who's going to die, you know? So they start at the beginning, and that kind of serves as like the the fake out death. So like I, it worked on many levels. So I'm glad we got to have this. You know, after okay, so after we actually get to the main part of the movie, you know, the part two of this movie, uh, it like, you know, we see them sort of adapting. Like they realize that their home is under you know fire underwater. Like it's got everything going on. Um, Emily Blunt's getting the stuff for the baby um uh sister is going back and getting her hearing equipment and essentially they just chart off after she sets a fire to see if other people are still alive which is definitely like a thought because at the end of the first movie i don't think any of the fires were lit and now we're getting another lit fire so it's like hope there are people alive and everything so they set a course to find out whoever this person is obviously we know who it is um, but we get going on our way. Essentially, it's a just a long walk, and that's it. Um, it only starts to pick up when they get to this sort of train yard where this person has set up or this group has set up. You know, we see that they have set a small opening in the chain fence, and uh, lo and behold, it's this booby trap. That, you know, that the cans drop, and so they start to panic and run. Uh, and then it gets brutal really quick as the brother steps on a bear trap and starts to scream, which is a recurring thing for him. Um, but he starts to scream, which obviously startles more creatures. Uh, and all this is coming from the POV of the, the sniper, the person on the mm-hmm. sniper rifle in the distance, like, I guess, debating whether or not he's going to kill them. But I don't know why you would just kill someone if it's just going to bring the creatures. Unsure. But... Um, and then they see that they're able to kill the creatures, which really doesn't amount to anything. Um, I feel like you thought that that was going to be a big deal. Like, oh, this the the person you know watching them sees that they can kill the creatures, but nothing comes of that really. Uh, mainly because the the guy is just really grumpy. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so nothing comes of that. They kill the creatures, and then they sort of get into this underground bunker in the the warehouse i'm not sure what kind of situation is supposed to happen but they slide down the big tube which i thought was a cool feature um and then they're in this like 
underground facility and they open this like engine. I, well, I don't even know what it is, but boiler. This, like, oh, boiler. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming it's a boiler. Okay, well, I will assume that it is. <laughs> they get into the boiler, but obviously, like you see how it's set up, that they only have a like limited amount of oxygen in the small container, so they have to open the door constantly. And he also set up the the towel mm-hmm. so that they don't get locked in the boiler. Um, obviously, you know those kinds of things are going to come up later because it's so importantly shown. But uh, yeah, so we meet this new character who you call Emmett. Yeah. I just call Guy. Uh, One of my favorite actors, too. Like, no joke, probably my top five favorite actors, Killian Murphy. I have no idea who he is, so. He was the scarecrow in the uh, Batman Begins, or I guess oh. he appeared a couple times in the Dark Knight trilogy. I was in Oz, but yeah. maybe a little old for him. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was in Inception, he was in Dunkirk, he was in a really good movie, Red Eye, with Rachel McAdams, where he's a guy who just sits next to her on an airplane, but he's actually an assassin there to kill her. Interesting. I've seen some of those movies, but I've seen some of those. (laughs) And uh, the original star of 28 Days Later, too. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Don't know him. Yeah. Never mind. But anyway, uh, we meet him. They start to, I guess, tend to his the, the brother's wounds. And then kind of that's when things start to get settled. And we started to learn about, you know, we it took a while but i was like do they know who this guy is like from our perspective it's obvious we know who this is the only other character that we got Mm -hmm. introduced to but like it took a while for them to even acknowledge that they knew him yeah like weirdly long like it wasn't until she's like what about your family that like we even knew that they even acknowledged that they knew who he was yeah you i didn't think about that but there really should be something that's like you're alive I mean, to be fair, at the beginning, he was covered up in, like, full gear. But, yeah, it, it was weird that, that it took them so long to acknowledge who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we learned his backstory. I thought we were going to get it in a flashback, but we didn't. They decided to just tell us um, that his wife died of a long illness and that his son died on the first day. Um, surprised the movie didn't show us that. But... Um, and sort of the whole movie starts to kickstarts when they hear music playing out of the speaker in the radio or whatever. And, you know, she's the sister's like starting to feud like, oh, my dad would have heard this. Like, there's no way he would have missed this. But it's like a special like location that they're in that they can hear. And maybe they were too far away or whatever. Um, or they hear this song and they're like, there are other people out there. But this guy's like, there's no one out there. I've told you I've he's looked or, or he just doesn't want to bother. He's just like, it's, it's done. There's nothing around. And so this really sets off kind of the direction of this movie about, you know, figuring out what's going on. Are there people? Are there not people? Is there safety? Um, what's going on? I feel like this is a good no. point to catch up. Sure. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Um, also a lot of things that they do at the beginning of the movie here on day 474 uh where they're just reminding you of things that you probably have forgotten if you didn't just rewatch a quiet place part 1 uh like the fact that after we catch up on that opening scene uh as they're leaving the house Emily Blunt goes in and she gets the soundproof bassinet which they had built in the first movie because audiences are going to be asking a lot of questions if you don't actually show her getting that 
uh, and then the um, uh, the speaker having the daughter go in and rig up the speaker. I also love that it's not even necessary for this movie. If anything, it should be present a bit of a plot hole. Uh, the, when the daughter goes down into the basement to get all the amp and all the the sound equipment, and they show her walking down the stairs, and like if you do remember that first movie, you're just waiting, like no, she's gonna step on the nail, right? You're just waiting for it. It's filmed so so uh, suspensefully if you remember it, and then if you don't, it's like oh, she steps over that nail. You can see the little blood there, but then that should present a problem as Emily Blunt is walking barefoot outside for the rest of the movie that. From the context of this movie, two hours ago, she put a nail straight through her foot. Probably <laughs> should have a little bit of a limp to her still. Uh, but it's just great that they throw that little detail and they remind you of the first movie. They uh, are so, like, the main crew. Like, they're so anti-shoe. Yeah. But, but the guy has a shoe, shoes on. Like, it clearly does Obviously, like, I get that maybe in their home, they, they would want to avoid it for the, the squeak of the floors and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But, like... I'm sure they had a pair or two of shoes at home that they could pick up. Like well, they chose not to. I don't know if we talked about this specifically, but I know part of what we talked about in the first movie is that plot that they had in the first one where John Krasinski, he was very much holding the daughter back, even though she's clearly the braver one and trying to get the son more involved in things, even though he's clearly the cowardly one was for a reason. It was partly because the son, the son needed that push as we see in this movie, he needs that push. <laughs> uh, how are you going to survive if I'm not around, if you don't learn these things? Whereas the daughter didn't. But also the other part being that the daughter being deaf, she's maybe not aware of how careful she has to be with things. So I, I was kind of thinking about that throughout this movie, about them being barefoot the entire movie, and then wondering, is it to do with the fact that somebody who can't hear, uh, which I picked up on in this movie, by the way, I did notice right at the beginning of this movie, she is supposed to be deaf. So I'm glad progress. you remembered the little detail. <laughs> progress from the first movie uh but uh yeah i i just again i don't think it's something that's clearly stayed in this movie but i thought about well would it be different would, would a deaf person even be able to comprehend the noise of shoes is it easier if you can actually feel that you're making noise on something since everything would be i guess vibrations for her to recognize sound it's just the thought that i had um but yeah bear for the whole movie one thing i really appreciate in this movie uh emily blunt's post baby bump <laughs> Now, you'll never see this in movies outside of A Quiet Place Part 2. In real life, most women hide it very well. But after you give birth, there is just a sagging bulge of skin that's still there that takes a while to tighten up. And you're also extremely bloated. So, I mean, even after you give birth, you don't have this giant mass that's that's obvious. But there is a bulge that still exists for probably two to three weeks after you give birth. And they incorporate that into this movie. And, you know, Jamie picked up on it immediately. I picked it up on it immediately. I think we're watching this. And we're like, that is the most realistic 12 hours after birth belly I've ever seen. Because she wouldn't be completely flat like you see in most movies. You know, it would take several weeks for that. So I really appreciate that detail. Um, the kids have noticeably aged, though. So this is why I want to talk about when we get to the bear trap here. Uh, I actually have a theory as to why they put this kid through as much torture as they do this time around. They are both noticeably older than they were in the first movie. Now, if you're not watching these movies back to back, it's not as much of a problem. But if you watch the first movie, you're aware that this boy is supposed to be maybe nine, 10 years old. And now he's clearly 12 or 13. And you're aware this girl is supposed to be maybe 11, 12. And now she's clearly 14 or 15. Uh, It is very noticeable that they are much older. But if you're 
a couple years removed from watching the first movie, you're not going to notice as much. But they they took the time, I think, of this movie to they they cover their ages as best they can. But I think that John Krasinski was aware of the fact that people are going to look at this boy. And while you accept it in the first movie that he is this panicky child that he's always like, ah, you know, screaming or covering his mouth and, no, no, and always afraid of everything. You accept that for a nine or 10 year old. You're not going to accept that for a 12 year old or a 13 year old or however old he looks and is supposed to be now in this movie that is five minutes later. So putting him in the bear trap, I think is actually, I, I wouldn't have picked up on this the first time around. It is hands down the most terrifying part of this movie because anybody doing that and you, you sympathize with him more. I think that that's there. So that the audience sympathizes with the fact that this is a panicky character. If this movie was filmed immediately after the first part, I don't think the bear trap is in here because I think the audience just is willing to accept this is a young child who would be panicky, who would be scared. It's like he uses the bear trap so that the audience will forgive him more for being as whiny and loud as he is. And yet I still found an article here from Screen Rant. Of course, it's going to be from Screen Rant. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the title of this is A Quiet Place 2's Best Trick is Making You Hate a Child, uh, which they bring up some valid points, none of which are agreeing with me. They're actually, if anything, not agreeing with me, saying like, oh, you know, he is a coward. He is obnoxious, and it is annoying to watch him be a useless person, uh, but he gets a redemption moment in the end. I actually think that they, they had to, because this is taking place five minutes later, they had to have him be whiny the way he was. He couldn't just instantly be brave. And having the bear trap there is a way for the audience to forgive him for it. I mean, what are your thoughts? Because I'm, I'm curious if you watched this this time, seeing a kid who's clearly a little bit older and maybe resented him more for being screaming all the time. To be honest, he's barely in the first movie. Like, I feel like he's not that much in the first movie. I mean, he's not really in this movie that much either. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I didn't even like think about the fact that they're older I, it's just like i just accept it. like i didn't even think about it at all um but like <clears throat> you bring up so many good points about why they did that like it just makes so much sense when you explained it that way mm-hmm. that i'm like it makes like i get it like you can't change the character um five minutes later yeah you, you can't have like a sudden like switch up in, in in the identity of the character but obviously you need to have the same like you know, thread the the concepts and the ideas of the character through. So mm-hmm. like, I think that this, it, it makes sense. I, I, I'm on board. You sold me. There you go. I sold you. Good. Um, Not that I was some of the, <laughs> against the, the point. I just, <laughs> I'm sold. If you're hearing noise upstairs, Jamie's apparently vacuuming. Uh, I like that she always vacuums whenever I thought I she was making a Nanaimo bar for me. That, that's a blender. Yes, a hand mixer. Uh, but, I mean, that bear trap scene is just incredible. Like, I, I, that's the one big shock of this movie. I think the way that the the nail through the foot was the first round and the kid dying. This is the equivalent of the kid dying. It is like worst case scenario. And uh, I, I also mentioned the uh, good old friend of ours, Cable Brandon, his podcast uh, sequels suck. They recently did A Quiet Place Part 2 as well. And they actually, he I think he mentioned on there, you know, having children yourself, you, you totally see A Quiet Place. And I, I mentioned that in the first movie. The, the scenes with the child, the baby screaming, that's like your worst nightmare. And even still... If we hear a noise, we went to bed last night and we heard as we were coming upstairs, one of the the twins was stirring, uh, just sort of whining. I'm like, great. 
all because the floor creaked a bit as we walked past the room. And because of that, it cost us an hour before we got ready for bed because one baby wakes up, the other one wakes up. I mean, they're two and a half now. They're not babies, but one wakes up, the other one wakes up. Now you have to get both a snack. You have to change both of their diapers. You have to give both of them something to drink. You have to put both of them down away from the stop crying. And it is a nightmare. And I can't imagine a world like this. So when you have a child that you understand this child is going to be screaming. Um, Casper, I mean, uh, won't go into too many details, but I mean, I've mentioned before, Casper is diagnosed as autistic. There are things that he processes differently, one of which is pain. He split his head open before and didn't respond in any way. I mean, there weren't tears. It didn't seem to bother him. The only thing that bothered him was they had to hold him down for the stitches. Um, he cut his finger yesterday, and we just realized that's the first time he's ever actually cut himself and needed a Band-Aid. Him not being able to process that, you know, that alone was like, okay, so for five minutes is fine. And then all of a sudden he notices this cut on his finger and suddenly it's like, ah, ouchie. Like he didn't realize what that pain was. And then I'm imagining watching this movie this morning. If he got his foot caught in a bear trap, how would I keep Casper quiet? How would I keep the twins quiet? So even though it's an older kid, like this is a terrifying idea. Uh, when we get the, the new characters, you said, Emmett, we, we were introduced to him the one scene. So, you know, this guy's gonna be important later. Uh, I also just love the way that, as you said, we don't see his backstory, that, that it's all just speculated on. Uh, the way that uh, he explains his kids, like you said, you we don't even find out. I think his exact line is when when she asks, oh, what about your, your sons? And he says, I think it was day one. Like, he doesn't know. And, and then you imagine that for a parent or for anybody. Your family members are just unaccounted for. And then he's been living with this for who knows how long. And then his wife dies. Funny uh, story I'll tell later on when it comes to the wife. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know he's recently lost his wife. And the fact that he's like, there's not enough food. There's not enough anything for you guys to survive here. She has to plead with him because she's like, you know, he's he's not going to survive. This bandage isn't going to last. I've got this baby. When she pulls out the baby, that's like this great moment where, you know, he's like, okay, well, now I got to do something. Um, but uh, the, the little details they work in here, like the listening to the radio, it, you do pick up on it, like you're saying. We're going to pick up on the same way that we, we knew in the first movie, when you hear that feedback from the hearing aid. Oh, I bet you that's going to be important later. But I don't think he John Krasinski ever hits you over the head with any of these details to the point where it's obnoxious setup, you know? Uh, the audience clues in, like with the towel and little details like that. Okay, this is going to be important later. Dive, sign language. Keep keep this in your head for later on. But I don't think it ever just gives it away completely. Yeah, it's like, you know that it's important, but how is it going to play in? Like, yeah, exactly. Is, you know, is Emily Blunt going to lock herself in by mistake? Is, is you know, the kid going to knock into it and get someone trapped? You know, it's just like, how does it work out that you, you um, it keeps you going? Do, do, have you ever, do you ever watch the show Curb Your Enthusiasm? No. Oh, anybody who watched it might understand this, but I've, I've, I've been rewatching Curvy and Thursday enthusiasm lately. And it's actually interesting for a comedy. They do very similar things where there's always like some, a bunch of details that get thrown into an episode of how Larry David, the main character is being rude to somebody. And you're like, Oh, I bet you this is going to come back later. And then, lo and behold, by the end of the episode, everything comes together. That's kind of exactly the way this movie is. Like you're saying, like, you know, this is going to factor in, but you're wondering, well, how is a towel and a drip in a, a tap? And, you know, uh, uh, dive sign language and all these things going to play in later on. Yeah, exactly. Um, you kind of mentioned before 
about the oh dive i wonder like how is this going to come into play uh, i will say that's the one thing i was like oh yeah i forgot that that was a thing that's the one thing i forgot about and i was like oh that's so cool that they used it in the water like <laughs> that's the one thing that i like didn't acknowledge until it ha- i was like oh that's so co- oh wait we learned that before i just yeah. i just it's, didn't process that one it's subtle enough that you're gonna forget it until it comes up again but it's obvious enough that the audience isn't just gonna gloss over it yeah yeah and and like I said, you don't know how it's going to come in. Like, obviously, he's talking about baseball. You're like, this isn't going to come in in the next movie. They're not doing baseball in the part two movie. And like, in all fairness, you know, I think it's easy to watch the movie now and be like, oh, die. That's how it's going to happen. But like, if we had something with oranges later in the movie, <laughs> the audience, once that came up, would be like, oh, that's why they had the oranges later. So yeah, it's, it's exactly like you're saying. Once it comes up, you're like, oh, now I connect these dots. It's also not like an obvious thing. Like, dive is like just a the random word yeah it's not like oh like like you said oranges if they're like what's the sign language for oranges like that's such a random thing you know mm-hmm. like something more dive, obvious if dive had been something else like gee i wonder if this other this other team is playing pathetic i wonder if they're trying to take a dive you know but but the fact that it's just a regular baseball term it's easier to accept or like like an obvious thing like how do you say shoot a gun like yeah. <laughs> you know something so plot obvious. on air sign yeah like or radio you know something like that or like island or you know something like it, it worked yes are you good are you caught up i'm good i'm good okay uh, i couldn't remember if you were done <laughs> but yeah so then this sort of sets out they like sleep the night i think and it's the next day is it the next day yeah it's the next day yeah uh and then she she can try to tell the brother that like this is actually a signal it's not just a random song that we happen to hear it's a signal that we've got to crow to an island or got to go across the sea or or whatever the 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 lyrics were you know the song better than i do Uh beyond the sea beyond the sea (laughs) but anyway that that, that's sort of she's like we got to go and he is very like against going i mean partially he makes sense um like his mother just gave birth like two days ago. Uh, yeah. He stepped on a bear trap and they have an infant. Like it, it's not the best timing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously this is also part of his character. He's the scaredy cat. He's, he's the one who's afraid and, and not willing to, to, to take the step forward to help themselves or whatever. Uh, but she's just so headstrong that like, you know, this is dad, dad would have done this. He would have saved us. He would have done this. And so essentially she just goes out on her own and um, they plead with Guy for him to go uh, and sort of eventually he reluctantly goes. But, you know, on her journey, she comes across a train station. You see sort of the remnants of day one. You know, there were some high heel shoes, I think, and, and things like that, which was a nice touch. Um, and then they go to the train. Uh, then he, she, she finds a train and she gets a first aid kit. Um, and then they pulled like probably the worst thing in the movie, which is like the the thing that they did last time, where it's like she can't hear what's going on around her, but there's a creature there. Uh, I was a little less convinced about this one than I was about in the original movie. It's it, it's a uh, shine wore off in this situation. Um, she's trying to defeat the creature on her own, which is very hard to fire a shotgun while manning the radio. Um, but anyway, eventually he she's saved by him. Uh, 
And then they sort of get into it about, you know, what the right thing to do is like that he wants to go back and she wants to keep going. And this is the right thing to do. And um, then she sleeps and then he wakes, she wakes up. She thinks he left her, but he actually just scouted ahead and, and he's, he's convinced by her pleading that they should go. He said that they found a boat and they go find boats. Um, and then becomes the part of the movie that I thought the direction was going to go in, which is like, this happens in all like apocalyptic things, but the other thing, the, the condition other than the, whatever you're fighting, the apocalypse, the monster, the virus or whatever, like you got to worry about humans right after, like, cause yeah. humans are bad. They're going to, they're going to, you know, attack you. They're going to rage you. They're going to steal your stuff. And, like, I thought that that was the direction that this was going in, especially because the guy was like, oh, those people are bad. You don't know what this world became. And, like, we find, they find a boat, but, like, he sees a little girl. This was also another weird direction I thought the movie was going because I thought he saw his dead son, and I was like, ooh, this is weird. Hmm. Um, well, he but did no, say, I don't know if they died, maybe. I, I just thought, like, he was seeing things and like he was going to be an unreliable survival person just because he was like haunted by the death of his son or something like that. But no, it was just a little girl on the dock who like managed to get a noose around the guy's neck. Um, and then outspring all these people who are going to like, do you, I'm going to ask you, cause I looked this up cause it was confusing, but do you know what they were going to do? Uh, I, I was assuming they were setting them up to watch the monsters eat them. The, the 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 dock people were gonna let yeah. the monsters eat the the two. Yeah, my 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 assumption is they they put these I don't know whatever it is cans metal things around their necks so that they could go off somewhere and then just wait for this to draw the monsters in. So they're they're basically setting people up to die, but witnessing it's like it's like you know gladiators or whatever you know we're we're gonna throw you into the lion pit. So looking it up online, it's implied that. These are cannibals, and they were going to eat them. What? Yeah, but which like, I guess, which I guess you can say ties in because the guy said, "Oh, there's no food. There's nothing I can give you." Like, ah, uh, yeah, that's interesting. But I uh, would think, I, why would they put them in a situation though where they are? If you move, you're going to create sound. Maybe then, they weren't going to kill. I mean, they were just going to let him die, and they were going to eat her. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's an idea. You, you set one as a trap so you could steal the other. It, it just, I, it just wasn't entirely clear from, from our perspective what the intent was. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that's, you know that's kind bad. of what, that's but, kind of what I like about these movies is that they set things up that aren't explained, and maybe it'll get explained in a future movie, and maybe it won't. I was just a little annoyed because I thought that this was really going to be what they were focused on. Like, cause this just, se it seems so much like his entire backstory is about people are, are like bad. He lost everything. So nothing's good in the world. Uh, and then they meet these people who are like, really like, you don't know what they're going to do, but they're, they're not, they're not all there. Um, and so I was like, maybe that this was the, I thought this really was what the direction of the movie was going to end with was that the people are bad. And even if they got to the island, I was like, these are bad people too. It's like it's like a fake, like it's this like cult village where everyone looks happy, but like they really just torture the people that come. You know, they want to eat you. Yeah, and, and it, it didn't go that direction. So I, on on one side, I was a little upset that it like I felt like it it introduced these people, like these 
killers, and then they were gone in a second. Um, so I, I, I like the addition of it, but I wish that, that it was more than what we got. See, what I do like about this, though, is that we don't get it, because I feel like the second that um, the second that they sort of arrive at the docks, this movie becomes the first movie. The way that there's the moment where Emily Blunt's giving birth at the exact same moment that, you know, uh, the kids get separated and they're stuck in the little grain bin and the monsters are appearing where everybody's got something going on at the same time. And this movie starts doing the same thing when they're on the docks. And then at this exact same moment, the sun is out, you know, coming across Emmett's dead wife's body and then getting stuck in there with no oxygen. And Emily Blunt's got the sprinklers going off, having to sneak past. Like it was playing out like the climax of the first movie, where as soon as that action moment started, it was just one thing happening after the other until the end. And then the fact that they don't go anywhere with this, I liked it because it at least provided a surprise of this movie where you, you think at this point, this is how the movie's going to end. This is how it's going to play out. But no, we're going to give you something else. The other reason I like it is because that line Emmett had, because that was one of the big questions with the first movie. This guy, the old man in the middle of the woods who just starts screaming, to, we thought commit suicide, whatever. And then in this movie to have Emmett throw that line out there where he says, the people who are left, like you don't want to live with that. This is what what happens when, when you, you run out of food and all that. And I really started to think, okay, well... Is it this something where the people who are left, this is just what happens to society when you do run out of things, you know, food or whatever, you know, people just turn bad. Everybody's slowly going crazy. Or is there more to this? Is there something that these creatures brought along with them, a virus that's making people lose their minds or whatever? Like it's at least leaving a, a question open enough for the next movie uh, and, and giving the idea of, well, next time around, we're going to tell the story like we're going to tease this now and this could be coming next time. So uh, I, I like that they they threw the thing in with the island instead of this, because at least it made this stand out a little bit more. And it wasn't a complete copy of the first one. And I do think this is a good copy of the first movie. Like I'm not even criticizing the things that are so similar to the first movie. Um, it's done well still. Uh, I, I do want to mention that when the daughter comes across the, the train. Because I also think that sequence is great. The way that the train is revealed where she comes in the back of it and then all of a sudden they slowly do the camera panning around where you see that the trail's basically been derailed. It, it put the idea in my head about the opening sequence and what will the opening sequence of the next movie be. So I'm just going to make a prediction. I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but I'm saying the way that this movie played out, we got introduced to this environment. They made a point to show this camera panning around with this derailed train it's something the audience be familiar with. It would be interesting if the, the, the pre-title sequence of the next movie is this train and the monsters attack and you see a train derailment and that's going to set up whatever new character is introduced next time. That's just one wild prediction I have. Um, but but it's it's an interesting environment that they have this sequence. Uh, also, one thing I really like, okay, so I've made many complaints, especially about movies uh, that are thrillers, horrors, whatever. And I think I made the same complaint last week. Uh, about when you have a lead character that is just fearless and can do anything. Uh, and the fact is they they more often than not make this mistake with female characters in movies because it's almost it's almost trying to overdo it with, oh, we have a strong female character. Look how strong they are. Star Wars is a perfect example. They go out of their way in all the new Star Wars movies to be like, it's a woman and she's doing this. And meanwhile, if you go back and watch the original Star Wars movie, they don't make a big deal out of Princess Leia doing exactly the same thing or, or Padme doing the exact same thing. Uh, but when you have a child 
again, you're making it even more implausible. So I, what I, I like is that I, I was thinking the direction they were going with the daughter here, where she's like, no, this is the plan. I'm going to do this. And then she goes out on her own, would just be that she starts mowing these things down. She's you know, shooting these things to pieces. I love that the sequence on the train where she's like, I got this. And then she sets up the amp and then the creatures weaken. But then she's like, I don't know how to pull the trigger. I got one hand. How am I supposed to do this? If they had gone the direction of overcompensating where this character just becomes the superhero of the movie, you lose it. There's so many movies that have made this mistake, especially lately, where your characters, Alien Covenant, uh, I'll always bring this one up because it was my biggest complaint about the movie. Every single character in Alien Covenant acts as if they're not afraid of aliens. They're going down and and shooting everything to pieces, and the audience isn't afraid unless the characters are afraid. So I was thinking they were going the direction, which is the way every other movie would do it now, where this kid is suddenly super brave and and can do anything, and everybody doubts her, but look what I can do. But they give her this weak moment. It's actually something that was unexpected and also realistic. Um, because in reality, you would you would need something, you know, you would need an extra person. You would get in over your head. Uh, her having to convince Emmett, the little details they work in with her being deaf in this movie, like the fact that he keeps trying to talk to her and she's like just looking at him blankly. And then she's like, enunciate your words. Uh, things that you probably wouldn't think about unless you were deaf. So I'm sure those who are deaf out there listening to our podcast. <laughs> We'll appreciate this. Yeah, um, podcast not the not the best thing to talk about a quiet yeah. place. The Oz Network and now with describe video. <laughs> yeah, we Colin need a cl- closed caption for the podcast. Yeah, uh, but um, the fact that it takes a long time to come around on this plan, I also like because it is a flimsy plan. You know, oh, I think that this is a signal beyond the sea. Is there any reason that they couldn't have just looped audio in there on this? I'm going to call this a bit of a plot hole unless they explain it. And I missed it. I'm known for missing things in the quiet place movies. They can broadcast this one song. Could they not just put a recording themselves saying we're on an Island. If you want safety, come here. They can't swim. And then they just loop that. Why the, all the code of beyond the sea or did I miss something? No, I guess they didn't want the people who could do bad to come, but like yeah, it's equally maybe. as possible that they could have figured it out as well, you know? Yeah, so, they're not stupid. I mean, um, I, I guess it would be bad for, you know, in an apocalypse situation to be like, my coordinates are, and then you're just welcoming trouble. Yeah, well, but, and that's also what every other movie like this has done. I Am Legend, Bird Box, 28 Days Later. You know, it always comes down to, hey, if you want... A play, uh, Cloverfield, when we did 10 Cloverfield Lane a couple months ago, uh, in the lead up to a Quiet Places 2's release, uh, it's the same thing. Hey, if for safety, go to this location. But now that you mentioned that, that actually does make even more so. So this thing I'm thinking was a plot hole, I'm going to call even less of a plot hole. Uh, because Rossi made a good, solid point. So you're congratulations, sold. Rossi. Yeah, you're sold. See, I'm selling you on things, you're selling me on things. Uh, but this sequence here at the docks, I mean, do you want to get into how it all ends? Yeah, sure. um, I I really liked it because um, I feel like we don't get like enough. Sometimes in these, you know, monster movies, you sometimes get like monsters danger and then humans danger and they don't interact ever. Like, yeah. so it's nice that they blended the like creatures and the um, the humans, the threats that they both have like together. Um, but 
Uh, yeah, so he's tied up. He's connected to all these cans. And then she's taken away. Uh, but obviously, he's got insight. He, like, flashes back to day one. And he's like, I know sign language. And he tells her to dive into the water. Um, which, to be honest, I really didn't see coming. Um, but, you know, she dives in the water. And he manages to, like, there's, like, some hook or something on the end of the rope that he's attached to. Or the, 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 the netting he's tied in. And so he manages to get his hook in the guy that was holding on to her. And so he starts screaming. Um, and obviously all the, 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 the noise he's making as well. But he like hooks him and, and grabs him and then all the people start screaming and then the monsters come and they're slashing away. And like he tries to, uh, this guy tries to get set up so that he can leave the guy there on the post um, in pain. So he's obviously screaming and then he can get in the water and survive. Um, I'd say second most, even though we don't see it, second most graphic thing we see in the movie um, when he's in the water and this monster just slashing away at this guy and you hear the screams and, and the, the, but this, the noose is still stuck on his neck. So he can't really like get away. He's still stuck there. And um, you're barely seeing the glimpses from under the water. It's like a flash here and there. Yeah. And, you, and then you see like blood spattering everywhere and stuff like that. Um, and like, you see his struggle. Um, and then, but eventually he'll break free and he'll like swim away. Um, and at this whole time, were you thinking the same thing I was thinking about if they could swim? Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, the movie that this is most are the first ones most often compared to is signs. I think you're automatically thinking that as well because of signs, the whole thing with water. Yeah. So like, you know, you're wondering like, there are all these boats, can they swim? Um, and like one of them like falls in the water or something like that. And you're, and then he looks back, you realize, oh my, they can't swim. Um, uh, eventually she picks up the boat and they, they manage to get their way to the island. Um, but not before you see like this one boat, it had a name on it, but I can't, I can't remember it, but it was just like a blue boat and it had all the, they were slashing away at it. Cause I guess people were in it and that's going to come up later, but not in a very obvious way. It was like a subtle way. Uh, but they get to the island. Uh, they have power, they have electricity that. Is that a thing? Did I have they had electricity at the farm? That's like one thing I don't know yeah, how that happens. Generator. Well, they got a lot of generators because they're managing a radio station too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they uh, and this is another part where I thought that the movie was going. But they they see all these people and they're outside. They're having fun. Um, I thought this was like they're still dangerous, but no, they're just people who found a way to to get off the island or to get on the island because they can't swim. And like, at this point, you realize the character is like, oh, we can actually live here. We can have a life here. We can live comfortably here. Uh, and you know that's going to all go down south because <laughs> there's no way the movie ends peacefully. Um, I feel like, meanwhile, <laughs> on the other side of the situation, the other characters we get to know, um, Emily Blunt's like, we need more supplies you know, they need to calm his infection for the brother. And she also, like, realizes we need more oxygen for the baby or, or whatever the, the, the thing is in the tubes. Um, it's oxygen, right? I, I would assume so. Yeah, that's what you do need to breathe. Okay. Oh, I didn't know if it was, like, something that knocks out the, the, the baby. Like, 
like a gas or something like at the dentist yeah it's you know? uh, <laughs> it's laughing gas yeah i didn't know i was just unsure they never really said oh we need this you know mm-hmm. but it, it makes sense that it's oxygen uh, considering they so. spend 20 minutes here gasping and no, i was gonna say i would hope so that they're not just inhaling laughing gas in that boiler yeah <laughs> But anyway, she's going to the pharmacy again, which we see time and time again. But she also makes a stop to see um, their little son, their son's like grave. And, and she leaves her wedding ring, which I guess is symbolic about, you know, something. Um, I couldn't tell you, but it's symbolic. She gets the supplies. Meanwhile, the brother makes probably like one of the dumb decisions of the entire movie for no real payoff. He decides to wander around the, the warehouse um, despite the fact that he can't run, can't fight, can't do anything, but he decides it. Um, Shouldn't even be walking. How about that? Yeah, good point. Um, a lot of tension, but he finds the the dead the dead body of the guy's wife. Um, a little morbid, uh, and I, you think another situation where like I thought this was going to pay off more. It doesn't. Maybe the part three. But. Well, and that's that's what I want to mention um, when we got to that. I'll just say it now. When we watched this the first time, uh, when Jamie saw that, she was uh, her prediction was like, oh, watch this. They're going to reveal that that other guy killed his wife. And like he was going to be the villain of the movie, which I, I, I they didn't go that direction. But I don't think that's it's not like it's the dumbest prediction ever. But uh, yeah, her thought was this will be the twist. He's not a good guy. He's going to be one of these bad people. I mean, I didn't not think it. I, I I took his story at face value, but but it makes it like sense to think, oh, maybe he's not as pure as we're getting. Um, but anyway, he he falls over because you see a dead body. You're going to react in a crazy way. Um, and then he falls. He alerts the creatures. Um, then he manages to get down, but he locks himself in the room with the baby. The whole slide falls apart as well. Um, and then she comes back. I'll just end this with her. She comes back. The she blows up one of the gas canisters. Uh, she goes down, and they're essentially like holed up in the in the boiler until the the main end of the movie, uh, which I'll save. I guess for the next part. Yeah. No. The doc scene is really tense. Um, and as I already said, I I kind of like the idea that we're saving. You know the other people in this world for maybe a future movie uh if you even need that i mean i, I think because this is something we get in all of these post-apocalyptic movies this is very mad max type <laughs> uh gang or, or cannibals <laughs> in this case whatever they are uh i'm okay with just sort of having it as a one sequence here um now my question is whether or not this plot hole i'm actually going to give a prediction as to why it's not a plot hole because i don't think they're this dumb but i'm sure there are people out there asking the question uh the same question that people bring up about signs if these aliens are invading earth why do they come to a planet that is what is it 75 percent water if they can't swim uh now my theory about this is that this isn't necessarily some independent style uh independence day or sign style alien invasion uh i actually think this is maybe more like a cloverfield thing if we ever get the same reveal in cloverfield uh we're seeing these comets or whatever these asteroids these things are falling out of the sky i don't think that these are spaceships that these things come in on i think that this is something where maybe a meteor shower hit the earth 
And there were all these creatures that had just been dormant, you know, which is kind of the thought of Cloverfield. And then once they arrived, these asteroids or whatever, they break apart and then these creatures are just loose. I don't think this is a thing where the aliens have landed on Earth. Um, Because if it was and they brought spaceships here, why would them swimming be a problem? They should just be taking their spaceships over the water. (laughs) So do you have any idea about this? Or are you pretty much going to agree with me that these are not aliens that are invading Earth, but they are some type of organism that just happened to crash land here? Yeah, it it didn't look like the ship was flaming as it came in. Like it did, like the other one exploded, you know, it just didn't look Mm -hmm. right. Um. So like it, it potentially wasn't like a, oh we are we see this blue planet let's invade like yeah. I think that we don't have all the answers but I don't think that there's any plot holes really I think this is this is the equivalent if something from Earth you know traveled to another world everything else is going to die except for the cockroaches so the other world is suddenly invaded by cockroaches I think these are just the cockroaches that are left of whatever came here whether it was on a ship whether it was on a chunk of rock from the sky I don't know. Um, but I guarantee that people are complaining about, oh, these, why would they come here if it's all water? Uh, but the, the fact that they can't swim. Now, the, the one thing that I did, I didn't miss it, but they did surprise me on. So I'll, I'll fully admit I'm not like, oh, I see what they did here. When you get the one alien that is grasping to, to stay on the boat at the end, I wasn't thinking until it actually came up. In fact, even after the, we get the sequence later on where the, the creature is going to be on the island, I was still being like, wait, how did it get there? Because I don't think this is so obvious. We're like, oh, it's on a boat. It's obviously going to get to the island. I, I I wasn't even thinking that. So I think, again, John Krasinski does a lot of things just subtly enough that you're not predicting it when it comes up. Uh, everything that happens with the mother... I won't complain and, too much about you not noticing that. Except I still can't get over that you didn't notice she was deaf in the first movie. But Everybody was doing so. I figured that's how they survived. They're all doing sign language. I don't know. Um, I'll but do, I got this is more time. subtle than that, so... Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, the stuff that happens with the mother, like this is um, this is where I'm going to give the biggest praise to this movie. It, not as this being a sequel, but as being a sequel that picks up five minutes later. Because I think the world's probably only now realizing how hard this is to do. Uh, my, if I'm going to call it biggest defense of The Last Jedi, if you watch the Star Wars sequels, not that I'm recommending you do, but have you? <laughs> I have. Okay, well, here's my my defense of why The Last Jedi shouldn't be blamed so much for sucking, or why the director, Ryan Johnson, shouldn't be blamed so much for sucking. They ended The Rise of Skywalker, or sorry, not The Rise of Skywalker, what's the first one? The Force Awakens. They ended The Force Awakens in a way where you had to start the next movie five minutes later. It's just the entire way the movie ends. You can't have that last scene with Luke Skywalker and everything in the lightsaber and not pick it up seconds later. So they basically wrote themselves into a corner for the second movie where it's like, well, what do you do if you have to pick it up five minutes later? You know, everything just didn't end happily, which is the way you ended the first movie. Uh, The Quiet Place, the exact same thing. It picks up five minutes later. Uh, I recently saw Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills, the exact same thing. It literally picks up the next second after the first movie ends. In all examples but A Quiet Place, I feel like the sequels get into trouble where it's like, well, you can't just do this because the first movie had an ending. Even if you do leave it open, for, you know, there's certain things you just can't do. You can't just have Michael Myers killing everybody at full strength because, you know, you, you ended the first movie in a certain way. You can't just have the the First Order or whatever coming and invading again because you apparently wiped out all their troops five minutes ago. Like, But this movie does it so well where, where they shouldn't. 
the son being hit with a bear trap and the mother having just given birth, this should be where, uh-oh, we ran into a problem in the sequel. We decided to start this five minutes later, but this woman just gave birth and put a nail through her foot, and the son is a coward and just got hit with a bear trap. This should have been their kryptonite, where you run into those problems of, you shouldn't have done this five minutes later. It works for 75% of the movie. It doesn't work for the other 25%. But this is some of the best stuff in the movie because it is so simple. It's just, let's separate these characters. Let's have the son do something stupid, like, you know, explore this area. Uh, especially going for the guy who's most scared to go up above the concrete when he says the only reason they can't hear us is because we're underneath all this concrete. And now he's going upstairs. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, but the the thing with the oxygen is one of the best bits of this movie because it's not about, oh, this monster's attacking some big action sequence. I've read a couple of reviews that criticize the sequel here as relying more just on action sequences, not on scares. But having two people trapped inside a boiler, when you see that door lock and you know they're running on oxygen and one is a child and the other one is a baby and they're gasping at breath, like that's a really tense, scary scene. While the mother is out there having just given birth and you have the sprinklers going off and I'm thinking to myself, well, is this going to make it easier for them to hear or harder? Because we know the whole waterfall thing in the first movie. It's just done so well. And this is, I, I think, the this should have been the thing that they had a hard time working around. And it is a much smaller story than what's going on with Killian Murphy with Emmett and the girl. So this should be the part where it's like, oh, this is the B story. But it doesn't feel like a B story of me. So I like it. You know, I never felt like this was uh, less than what was going on. Obviously, it's not like the main plot of what's going on. Like, it's not the the, the through storyline that we'd be getting. But it, it's still a part of the story, you know. Obviously, you know, it would be worse if they just sign-lined them. Like, yeah, just Emily Blunt's not in this movie. Like, what are you going to do? They're um, sleeping. Yeah, like, oh, they're, they're just taking naps. Like, they're fine. <laughs> like, that would be so boring. Like, I think it would take so much away if this only was on the two characters. And then everyone else was just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, d- poor decision-making? Yes, it's a horror movie. Um yeah, it's, it's running it, upstairs it, when you should run out the front door, you know? Yeah, it, well, it's sometimes at a work screen. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it takes, I think it adds so much to it. Like, I think that, you know, and then I think it, the spoilers for the end, but I think like that end shot of like the mirroring of the two yeah. was just so great. Like, that was the best part of the movie. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so essentially, they realize that they can survive there. And then the guy that they meet, whose name I don't remember, um, guy two, um, agrees to go back and get the, the their family, her family, so that they can come too. And uh, lo and behold, that boat that you didn't recognize or didn't realize was going to come to the island, comes to the island. And they sort of realize, he's like, oh, shoot, they're not going to know what to do. And so he starts warning people, but it's too late. It's already there. Uh, so she realizes that she's got to make it her way to the radio station so that she can stop them all. Or is it one? I don't know. It seemed like there was more than one, but I wasn't sure. But at least one creature was coming, killing people. They get out of there, head to the radio station. Uh, and, you know, guy two gets killed. Uh, because he thinks he's got to go back, but they get in and they're in the radio station. Like, this was another really tense part of the movie. Um, 
very reminiscent of the first end of the first movie with them in the basement. Uh, you know, the characters, there's glass, there's, there's, you know, broken things, you know, you got to be careful. There's things you could step on. And so she's got to make her way to the studio. Um, but obviously like she can't hear everything that's going on. So he's being a, the guy's being a real help to her. Um, and there gets to a point where she's like about to get caught, but he like steps in and like saves her from, from something. He closes the door or something like that. And his leg gets like attacked or something like that. Um, meanwhile, like on the other side of the world or on the, on the other side of the story, the, the creature has somehow managed to get the door open. I forget exactly how that happened. But the door is open and the mom gets her leg like scratched by the creature. So she's really injured now. Um, and then the sister eventually like slams her ear on the thing and then takes like a broken metal piece and starts to go toward the creature. Meanwhile, the brother's doing the same thing with the radio because it's playing the, the, the tune throughout. And they both like simultaneously kill the creature and that's the end of the movie. And that whole mirroring of that last scene is the coolest thing of the, the, the adult being injured in the leg and the kid stepping forward to save them, save the person that's been there for them so much throughout the movie. It, uh, it was just a perfect, perfect ending. I love that so much. And also the, um, if we want to call it surprise cameo here, Jaiman Hunsu, um, who's the guy who runs this island here. Uh, I'm sure you recognize him from something, right? I know you usually can't pinpoint it, but you got to recognize him, right? That's a no. Marcy doesn't. Marcy's I, Why would I know him? <laughs> John, John Hunsu? You don't know him? No. I mean, he's uh, he's been in both the Marvel and the DC movies recently. Uh, he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies as well. I think he was in, uh, he, there was another Marvel movie he played the same character in uh, other than Guardians of the Galaxy. He plays the wizard in Shazam. Uh, he's also a two-time Academy Award nominee for the Blood Diamond and in America. He's one of these guys that appears in everything. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm shocked you didn't at least recognize him. But, uh, he, like, this is a big star. This is, uh, of all the actors that have been in these movies, including Emily Blunt, I mean, this is probably the most um, respected actor in these movies, even if he's not like a, a huge name that everybody knows, this guy's, like I said, been nominated for multiple Academy Awards, great actor. Uh, and I don't think he was advertised as being this. I think that I might have seen an IMDb credit for him. And I'm like, oh, is he going to be in a flashback scene or something? I, I certainly wasn't expecting that they would not even advertise a major star being in this movie. Uh, but this, I, I, watching on a second viewing, I think I, the first time I sort of, put this movie in the back of my head and remembered this as, oh, well, this island stuff is just the last 15 minutes of the movie. But it's like the last half hour of the movie. This is a third of the movie almost they spend on this island. And uh, also, I think just the fact that, as I said, that I was kind of surprised. This is the surprise. We're not going to take you to a new environment. Uh, you'd already convinced the audience we're not going to do that in the first hour of the movie. And then to take everybody here is great. Uh, you know, do they explain it? Because, again, I might have missed it um, or forgot. I'm probably caught on the first viewing, forgot it, and missed it on the second viewing. Do they explain why they don't have to worry about sound here? Like, these creatures, they're drawn to sound. I'm sure that they would try to find a way to get across the water if they could. Or are they just taking for granted we can make all the noise we want here? I think probably both, like, taking advantage of the fact that they're so far away. Like, and also maybe they don't, I, my thought was like, when the creatures came down, I was like, these people don't know how to survive. Like, it's like, sometimes you see, how did these people, how did certain 
X person survive, you know, in this apocalyptic situation. Like they had people helping them. Like I was like, maybe they're just so not aware. Like they know a little, obviously they survived day one or whatever. But like maybe they're, they've been here so long that they don't know how to survive. You know, again, we're both very smart on this podcast. <laughs> this is one of our best efforts here because I hadn't even thought about that. You know, I, I was looking at his seeing Emmett uh, where he's in this boiler underground under several feet of concrete where he even says they can't hear us here and he's still whispering. So that's sort of what I'm thinking. I'm like, if they're on this island, they should still be worried about this. But when they give the backstory, they say as soon as they found out these things couldn't swim, they immediately started evacuating people. And only two of the 12 boats made it across the water here. So these are these people were the ones lucky enough to get out very early. But yeah, that's that's a good point that they haven't necessarily had to go through the survival situation. So they would take certain things for granted. It makes me feel less bad about Jaiman Hunsu getting eaten and his children getting eaten later on, as we're going to see. Um, I also love that this is the one episode where my children decided to be the loudest they could because uh, we were doing a quiet place part two. Shut up! Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I, I really like this. I, I I just love that we got introduced to this new environment. We're introduced to new people. And whereas every other franchise sets this up, like we said, Cloverfield, Bird Box, um, uh, not a quiet place, but so 28 days later, like I was mentioning, uh, it's always about, oh, there are people who survive. This is where we're going to go. We get there. And then, as you said, we're only going to spend half an hour here because they're all going to be dead anyways. Uh, I also kind of like the idea we have that scene between um, Emmett and uh, and Jamin Hunsu where he's saying, you know, oh, you know, what did you did you come here so that we could help you? And he goes, no, we came here to help you. And he produces the hearing aid. We have that moment where it's like, no, you're not going to save us. We're going to save you. And then five minutes later they doom them all like this is all their fault <laughs> the only as far as we know the other sane survivors left in the world are all dead because a monster was on a boat and then you led the boat there you know uh it's just kind of you know a, a nice little twist at the end that they don't dwell on too much but if you think about it, it's like yeah they killed everybody there uh but everything that happens uh in the um this this island uh in the radio station at the end of the movie it's, again, very tense, and I don't get a lot of the criticism this movie did get from some critics, and it wasn't a poorly reviewed movie. It's just, as you said at the beginning, it's one of these flip situations where audiences just appreciated it more than critics did. A lot of the criticism I get of saying that this movie doesn't have those moments of suspense, littlest thing in the world, like when they're trying to get into the studio to broadcast a signal, but the creature's already in there with them, and the girl's having to climb through the window and you see her, uh, there's that one moment where she's stepping over the desk. This desk is cluttered with everything and she can't see it. So you're like, she's going to step on something. And then she steps on the drawer and you think what's going to happen is that she's going to fall. But instead the drawer just creaks. This small creak and you're like, oh no, it heard them. Uh, that final moment, like you said though, where you get the split screen going back and forth. Where the boy is, uh, the son has got the, the signal now is being broadcast. So he's pushing this creature back. And he goes to kill it. And then the, the girl, the sister, is doing the exact same thing. And the fact she just stabs this thing through the head is great, too. Uh, that, that whole split screen ending is great. Because it would be hard to top the ending of the first movie. You know, you're doing the same thing as Signs. You're going to have that very, very late in the movie reveal. Here's its weakness. Uh, but the fact that A Quiet Place sort of ended with Emily Blunt just taking the shot. Like, all these movies. I would love the idea that all these movies just end with that very similar shot of somebody's going to get their first kill, you know? 
both these children had now been turned into these creature slayers. And also the fact that they gave the son that, it's important. As I said, this has less to do with giving the son any type of character progression and more to do the fact that the audience is not going to accept this this visibly older actor acting like a child anymore. So you need to do something so that by the next movie, it's not unrealistic that he's the coward kid who suddenly becomes brave. And I hope they still keep some of these characteristics of him being a coward because this would be any of us in this situation. Even 476 or 77 days, whatever we are at the end of this movie, 400 something days in, we're going to still be panicky. We're going to be, if anything, he's the smart character in this movie. I'm going to say this, the daughter's plan, sure it makes sense, sure it works in the end, but who, who takes that type of risk when you have a mother who just gave birth, a baby who's barely got oxygen, a brother who's had his leg chewed off, you know, by a bear trap. It's kind of a foolish risk on her part to have taken this, uh, considering there was no way of guaranteeing it was going to work. You know, even um, Emily Blunt being like, okay, the, the baby's fine. Don't worry, panicky son, who is the least capable person in this movie. I trust you to take care of our one-day-old baby that, that should be being breastfed still and uh, sleeping 90% of the time. Um, the characters just do all these foolish things in the movie. So I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I am 100% behind the sun being the panicky screaming one. Cause I think he's the only one who probably has common sense in this movie. It is freak luck that everything works out for everybody else in this movie. That's what I'm calling. Agree. Agree. There we go. We're on the same page. Um, uh, so we have to rate it. What do you do? Well, before... Before we rate it, let's just quickly go through some of the wrap-up stuff oh, here. I don't do movies, um, so. so. So as as this movie has an increased budget, I think the first movie was like $30 million or something like that. This movie cost twice as much, so it's like $60 million budget. Um, they de- This was the first movie to be delayed when COVID hit, which we were planning on covering and reviewing this movie. This, I think, was a week or two away from release. And they pulled this and no time to die off the schedule. And now we're finally getting a chance to talk about the two movies that were pulled off the schedule a year and a half ago. Uh, but this was also, as we said, the first movie that really took the gamble and said, we're going to get a- Godzilla versus Kong made some decent money. We're going to try to do even better than that. What's crazy about this movie is it ends up opening with like $50 million. Uh, I'll see if I can find the exact amount here. Uh, but it makes almost $300 million worldwide. So this movie is come close to the gross that the first movie made. And it did it as the first movie really coming back. And theaters still aren't even 100% open. So I can't imagine how much money this could have made had you know it opened a week before COVID. But uh, this is sort of also the, the movie that saved movie theaters for a few weeks before anybody else was really willing to take the gamble on uh, are we going to actually stay open. Um, critically, uh, like you said, it, uh, didn't do as well as the first movie. I don't have what the Rotten Tomatoes score is of the first movie. Uh, but this one is 91%, but the, I guess, disclaimer on that is that the overall average rating was lower than it was. So you had 91% positive reviews, but those positive reviews were less positive than the first one. And I remember... The reviews of this came out because this movie had been screened for critics, I think, uh, before COVID hit. And then again, before they released this movie, seeing a lot of the reviews. And it was sort of like you were saying, it wasn't necessarily negative. It was just, oh, it's not nearly as good as the first movie. Oh, this is flawed. Uh, But then the audience response was great for this movie. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the reviews here. 
but uh, maybe if I stall enough for time, I can pull up a one-star review and see if there's any idiots out there. Okay, so I did find a one-star review here uh, that is completely ridiculous, uh, and it's very brief, too. So I don't even know how to pronounce this. Aes Shame Harkso. Uh, hey, why are you wrote... my name away? Oh, sorry, Rossi. Uh, now we spoiled your rating. They The title is Disappointed, and they wrote, No storyline. I am still waiting for something to happen, and it just ended. Um, <laughs> I think there's more storyline in this than the first movie. Uh, are there any other ones here? Another one, no plot. This movie has no plot. I kid you not, 75% of the film is just them aimlessly walking. They're all great actors, but everything else in the movie is trash. I have no idea why it has such good reviews. Um, so every horror movie is 75% of people just walking. I mean, that's, again, you know, that, that should be nothing new. Uh, but there we go. There's some dumb one-star reviews. Those people are idiots, but uh, I'm not going to agree with that. I'm going to go with my... I'm buying this movie. I uh, I definitely don't love it as much as the first movie, but I appreciate it as a sequel even more, having watched it a second time after having seen something like Halloween Kills that also kind of, like I said, picks up immediately afterwards. And I think this does it better. And having also covered a lot of those other good horror sequels that we uh, that we talked through, which is funny, we, we picked movies for our good horror sequel month leading up to A Quiet Place Part 2. There were sort of sequels that were, oh, is it a sequel? As we said, good horror sequel in quotes, like Cloverfield, like Doctor Sleep. Uh, like Strangers or Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And this one is just sort of more of the same, but I actually think it does it so well. It does more of the same so well that uh, I'm in no way upset about it. And I actually probably enjoyed it more on a second viewing than I did the first time around. But I mean, you've had one viewing, so maybe you're less enthusiastic. What are you, what are you, what are you going to say? I mean, I'm, I'm still buying it. That's not the question. I just don't know if, I like it more or not, the, like how I feel about it in terms of the, the original. I think I prefer the original um, just because I feel like I was maybe not even expecting, because I really didn't expect anything, but thought that maybe like I would see something new. Like I thought that they'd go in a new direction when they were, kind of really didn't. Because I felt like they would potentially like tease that they were going to try a new direction. But it really became a little bit I mean, it's an expanded version of the original story of like this this group that we follow trying to survive. It's expanded a little because we have the new guy, but I still really loved it. Um, still a buy. So here's a question. Um, this is my thought. Considering as we've gone through, it's almost become the new trend that your sequel for a horror movie has to be something completely different. Are you? If they had gone the route of something like Cloverfield and just done a completely different story, do you think you would have been as excited to see this movie? Did it increase your excitement to see it, knowing that, oh, this is going to continue the story? It is going to be A Quiet Place Part 2 and not 10 A Quiet Place Lane. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I think you make really good points about it. The, the sequelness of this. Like, that, like, I love that the story picked up second one. Like... Mm -hmm. Of the of like the after like literally right after the second first movie ended like I love that stuff so as a sequel I like it this way better. I just felt like I wish that I felt like there were opportunities that they could have done a little more, um, especially because this is not like something that uh, I don't want this to go like part nine part ten yeah like I don't want them to run the gambit of all the ideas like slowly and, and like like this is like a trilogy max for me so like the fact that two of them are going to be the same 
like is is a little upsetting because mm-hmm. i don't want to get to the point where like we're at the part nine and they're like and the aliens are coming in like i don't want them to like jump the shark with these series like because it's really well done they're really well made they're exciting to watch the characters are good like everything's good about it it's just i don't want them to go crazy at like and have like part nine and alien like i just want it to be simple and contained i kind of like the idea of wrapping this story of this family up as a trilogy and then maybe doing your 10 a quiet place lane new trilogy because <laughs> i think this it's an interesting idea for you know a creature you don't even necessarily have to do the sound creatures it could be something completely different you do but but I, I'm, I'm thinking about how the born movies had a perfect trilogy the original born trilogy and then they did something different for a fourth movie that was way better than it should have been and they're like, ah, well, let's just ignore that. I, I would kind of like the idea of continuing on a friend where you get your trilogy and then you introduce a new idea. You almost have a trilogy of trilogies because there's there's enough legs on this. I mean, for the budget that it costs them, they could make this forever. But I am going to completely agree that in no way is this better than the first movie. Um, it's just better than it should be. It, it's better than it has any business being. Yeah, I could also see this had doing a, a series, too, with other characters or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, no, it it's still great. A Quiet Place: The Rise of Emmett. Um, we'll, we'll get to the, that. La- the last Emmett. <laughs> we'll see. So what's coming next? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Most not. You're know. the one who tells me what the ideas we have. I don't. I don't do much. <laughs> Well, um, it's it's interesting that uh, we don't actually have a clear idea what next is. So I don't know why I asked that question, but but I will say, you know, as far as what Rossi and I do, where we just sort of do random movies slash TV shows, uh, we are talking about doing something for Christmas because the original idea that we had for Christmas has been thrown off by every movie's release date changing. Uh, because originally, you know, obviously half of these movies that we're getting now this year were supposed to come out last year. Um, so now our plan of doing the matrix sequels is going to have to happen in December. So Ben and I won't be doing our original Christmas month, but Rossi and I are putting some plans together for a Christmas month. Uh, we won't tease exactly what it is yet, but, uh, I I think the one that you mentioned, I do have some, it's not hocus pocus, pocus Christmas, not happening. (laughs) You're just going to suggest hocus pocus every week until we do it again. Halloween town four. Maybe. Uh, I did see those were on Disney Plus, but uh, I don't know if they made a part four, but I'm sure there is going to be one eventually. Yeah. We talked about but, it. Uh, the, the, the main character got recast. <laughs> did they? <laughs> yeah. Played by Killian Murphy or Jaiman Hunsu, the only man allowed to work in Hollywood now. Uh, but uh, I mean, those are going to be coming in December. So we're now at the end of October. And uh, November, we don't have any specific movie recaps, although the big one will be No Time to Die. That's kind of one of the main reasons we don't have a lot else going on right now, because Ben's still waiting on No Time to Die to be released there. And uh, I don't know whether we're going to release it here. We already did a spoiler-free review that Noah and I had. And our sister podcast that also was not nominated for an award. Apparently, Uh, the only thing award-worthy we do is off the podium. So I guess the, the... takeaway is if we get jared lubick on off the uh, oz network or double seven more we'll get nominated for an award i mean that jared that i did should have been you know emmy and nom- emmy nominated it we possibly if you join us on off the podium maybe you could say you're an award nominated podcaster um 
also what, yeah, the, the uh the the eu podcast thing for survivor house doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. but this one has a the, the again big awards. shout out we're, we're very proud of this award we were nominated for the australian podcast where there's a real award ceremony that like ben can't oh, go going? to but jared I, uh, I can't fly there, but uh, I mean, I probably could. I'm not going to pay for it, but Jared can can probably go. So maybe Jared will accept it on our behalf. But anyways. Uh, I'll accept it yeah. on behalf. You already, you already won. <laughs> Rossi will just go as Ben Waterworth. Hello, my name is Ben Waterworth. Oh, no, I would go uh, as Jared. <laughs> you, that's going to be your Halloween costume this year. You're Jared. I'm not going to be Ben because I don't want to dress as, uh, I'm not going to say it, for Halloween. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story off air. Jamie has had some good. <laughs> we we talked about doing this at work before. People dressing up as each other, and uh, our good friend Martina uh, from Amazing Race I Canada. Saw you saw her. Her coworkers dressed as her yeah. for Halloween. That was great. So yeah, there's our idea for next year. Jared's gonna go as um, Ben. I'll make Jared be Ben. Uh, I will be Rossi. Rossi will be Jared, and Noah can be Noah, Kristen. a racist. Oh. What did you call him? Kristen. Kristen. <laughs> well, it could be Kristen. There we go. Halloween costumes for next year. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah, Double Oz 7. If we don't release it, if we don't cross-platform it like we did the spoiler-free review, you can listen to, in another two weeks, our spoiler review of No Time to Die over on Double Oz 7. Why wouldn't you just cross-platform it anyway? What? <laughs> I mean, we might, but... You You're going to release it anyway. Just might as well do it. We want some things to be exclusive to 007. I mean, it is the James Bond podcast, but I don't know. Okay, there's we'll not see. hundreds of James Bond movies anymore. It's like one one every few years. So, Hey, if you include James Bond Jr., the TV show, and you put all the episodes in there, maybe we are at 100. I don't know. It's close. Ah, somebody's just let's, let's end this episode. Come on. Let's end it, please. Just be done with it already. It's your job to end it. I don't know why I'm still talking. Um, well, how do I end these anymore? I don't know. What do I say? Thank you for joining us. My name is Rossi. Uh, thanks for being here. My name is uh, Rossi and... Um... Ah! And my name is Colin and... Shut up! Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.